Movement Rio Media presents A Few Good Physios with Dr. Eric Munoz and Dr. Leonidas Scantolides. You can't handle the truth. What is physical therapy? More research. More research. True therapeutic effect. Join us each week as we discuss current trends in medicine, rehabilitation, and strength and conditioning. The answers are out there. All content is a collaboration between On Point Sports Care and Integrated PT Squared. A Few Good Physios is not medical advice and is used for educational purposes only. If you are having pain and or health-related complaints, please seek out a licensed healthcare professional. Thank you for downloading. Enjoy. Let's get ready to rumble. We're talking about some <laughs> UFC 229. It is the weekend after the big fight between Khabib and Conor McGregor. And I can't pronounce Khabib's name. It'll be disrespectful if I try. Uh, no, that's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. <laughs> Definitely not. But uh, yeah, we wanted to take a little break from the clinical stuff today. But it, it's in theme with our podcast where we like to offer information um, some background information and some stuff that we moderately know about. So this is uh, a little breakdown of the USC 229 from October 6th. And I'll put a disclaimer. Lee moderately knows. I minimally know. But um, <laughs> but I do it, um, a, a new a new hobby, I would say. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was a pretty wild fight. I'm going to let Lee set it off, but it was <laughs> all of the undercards were entertaining mm. um had a good time with it it was very late um <laughs> as you all know but i'll let lee take it over yeah so w- one thing i wanted to start with as a build-up to the fight because there's a lot of talk right now everywhere online in person um i've had you know yesterday was a holiday and uh it was a very busy day at the clinic so a lot of patient encounters a lot of Physical therapy encounters, <laughs> aka there was a lot of opinions said about this stuff, and nobody I work with has any idea about mixed martial arts. But a lot of people all of a sudden became experts in it after this fight. So, uh, in in light of that, I'd like to give a, a little background of what kind of went down beforehand. So, if you're not familiar with what happened of UFC 229, the main fight, Khabib and <laughs> Nurmagomedov, I can't, I can't yeah, pronounce yeah. it. Khabib, Mag- everybody knows him. You yeah. know who he is. Khabib, <laughs> the uh, Dagestani fighter, uh, fought against Conor McGregor, and Conor, Conor McGregor is very well known Irish fighter. He uh, last fought. We spoke a little bit last time. He last fought uh, in the UFC in 2016. His last fight, I believe, was against Eddie Alvarez, and he beat him. Um, and he he holds the belt for 155. And um, Khabib has worked his way up to this this fight, and he's undefeated. He still is undefeated, and they had a fight. And uh, to summarize the fight, Khabib absolutely mauled him for four rounds, kept him on the ground for most of it. He stood up here and there and actually exchanged punches. Did had a great striking game and kind of uh, stood toe to toe with Connor and knocked him down at least once with the right hand, which was great. And then uh, on the fourth round, uh, he did a submission. He Connors ended up tapping out, and there's some confusion on it. People think it was a strangle. It wasn't a strangle. It was a crank. And from uh, what I understand, it was called the fulcrum. Basically, you're turning the neck to one side, and then you're also extending the neck at the same time. And the reason why you tap out 
is because you get some shearing on the TMJ or the tempomandibular joint. And you, if you squeeze tight enough, you can cut off their oxygen to their brain. But well, if anybody saw it, it, it didn't look comfortable. It so, did, uh, <laughs> didn't look comfortable at all. I mean, and most of the fight didn't look comfortable. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, choke, crank. I mean, yeah, it was bad. It was I mean, bad. It, yeah. it was it was very aggressive. And then even when Connor tapped. It looked like there was a pause. He it looked like he tightened up more when he tapped, and then the ref had to like pry him apart to get him off. So it was very contentious. Um, but so after that happened, Khabib was taunted by a well-known jujitsu coach, Dylan Danis, who happens to be here in New York. And there were some things said, and Khabib jumped over the fence to attack Dylan Danis, but then that was quickly broken up, and then. Uh, you know how supposedly went Connor tried to go over the fence to defend Dylan Dennis and at the same time some teammates of Khabib were going over the fence near him and Connor ended up punching one of the teammates so then after that they both got dragged back into the ring and then some of Khabib's people from the outside jumped in and kind of quote sucker punched Connor and then more messes you know it was just a big mess So overall, there was a big brawl, and it was very disappointing for everybody, as Joe Rogan said immediately. Like it was, he 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 told us how how to feel at that moment. It was just like I'm very disappointed in this. This is just you know terrible. You know after that great fight, and I understand that. I get it. Um, But leading up to the fight, that's what I want to talk about. Why was it so contentious? I don't know if that's the right word. Why is it so heated between these two people, these two individuals? Well, let's go back a little bit. UFC 223. It was a big fight card. I believe Khabib was on it. Um, it was April 5th. I'm not sure if it was 2016 or, or earlier. Um, one of Connor's, uh, teammates, Artem Lobov, and I believe he's Russian, apparently was talking to the press and there was some discussion from Artem about how Khabib always pulls out. He has an injury here. He pulls out because he can't cut weight. He pulls out here. He got an injury here. And so he was, it was all in Russian to the Russian press. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's an extra layer right there for cultural um, purposes. And he said all this shit and it apparently went on quite a bit. There, there's a whole thing on ESPN about this. I read most of it, but I'm not going to repeat the entire transcript. But um, Khabib heard about this. And they coincidentally walked by each other in a hotel lobby. So, and I'll, I'll go into more details about who was I was. Was it coincidental? Is a question. Yeah. Or think Khabib and his people knew. Oh, who knows? But, yeah, I don't but know. they, 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 yeah, back they, to the hotel lobby. <laughs> they crossed paths in the hotel yeah. lobby and they started to exchange words. And apparently, the conversation was recorded. I mean, there's phones everywhere, people recording shit. And Khabib, well, they were talking in Russian, and Khabib apparently said, "You know, those things that you said about me were not true. You know, I want." I, he said something. I want to. I want you to tell that to your face. You know, what you said to these people were not true. And Artem was like, "Oh, I didn't say any of those things. I didn't say." And he denied everything. So the, the words went back and forth, and apparently, allegedly, um, oh, oh, you're you're on it. Yeah, I'm on. Oh, I'm okay. on. I'm on. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I just got it. I didn't want to interrupt. I just got it. That's, good. That's so cool. I, I never Google. know you could do that. I, I want to Google. Hey, I'm uh, going to do a, What does it look like on your end? Oh, uh, wait. Let me. Uh, does it look Oh, like- yeah, yeah. And that, you got your name there, too. <laughs> it's like a ghost. 
Lilia Scantilides is editing the document. That's awesome. Bro. Um, so, yeah, so apparently what happened was um, Khabib slapped him in the back of the head, and then it got broken up. So that was as far as it went in the lobby. Now, the next part, which, you know, I'm I'm getting this information from multiple articles that I read, one of which was on ESPN.com, I think MMA Junkie, a bunch of these. Apparently after that, Conor McGregor, who was in Ireland at the time, heard about this and got heated. And the story goes, was grabbed 20 of his guys or his usual crew, got on a plane, <laughs> flew from Ireland to New York because UFC 223 on April 5th was in uh, the Barclays Center. And as soon as he got off, coincidentally, when he got to the Barclays Center, it was right after the media day had ended and the fighters were in the middle of weight cutting. So it was that Friday before the fight, I believe. And uh, they were all being put into buses from the Barclays Center and they were, you know, they, they weren't in separate buses. They were all kind of clumped together in multiple buses. So... Connor and his crew ended up going to the Barclays Center and was they were led in by a group of people who were working at the Barclays Center who also worked for one of his websites, the MacLife.com. I'm assuming that stands for, you know, short for McGregor. McGregor right. um, so they weren't supposed to let him in because he kind of convinced them to let in, I guess. So he got let in. <laughs> no, I don't want to do no crazy story. impersonation. No, that's crazy. What Imagine. the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Please let me it. in. Please let me in. I'm going to smack you. Please you let me in. Fuck you let me in. <laughs> uh, I do a terrible Irish accent. Uh, so he, he gets in and he's literally like swarming the buses. And th again, there's videos everywhere of this. You can look it up online. And he's looking for Khabib. He's looking to to trash, I guess, the buses at least. And so he, him and his crew, as you guys know, started throwing things at buses. They found the bus that Khabib was in. Connor ends up p picking up a dolly and throws it through one of the windows of the bus that Khabib was on. Now, you could look up any article. A lot of collateral damage was done. Some <laughs> uh, injuries to some of the fighters. And some people had to pull out. Some people had to pull out at a doctor's orders because they, one guy injured his cornea or something like that and he couldn't fight. Uh, Were they th fist thrown during this little melee or was it no. all just glass from... Glass and, and uh, I mean, it, it broke a gigantic window of one of these buses and things just kind of shattered inside the bus. And um, one of the female fighters who was in there, she was really freaked out, uh, right, um, understandably so, because she didn't know how much it was going to escalate more. And the reason why it didn't escalate more, some people theorized because they were watching Connor, he, he, he was surprised that he broke the window. And he started, he like, after he threw the dolly, he went to go grab a metal trash can and he saw the thing broke and someone said that he dropped the metal trash can and went into plastic trash can and threw uh, it out the bus so he's like he knows that what the fuck like, uh -oh. was wrong yeah yeah, yeah like oh, oh. shit <laughs> uh, um, so he you know th that was in my opinion is way bigger than what happened this weekend but so and I do want to talk about the uh, legal repercussions he he fled the scene with his crew <laughs> the, he ended up turning uh, one of his crew members turned himself in followed by McGregor he was charged with three counts of felony assault and one count of criminal mischief. So he agreed to a plea deal in New York. So on July 26, McGregor agreed to a plea deal in which fel all felony counts, uh, all felony counts were dismissed. He pled guilty to one count of disorderly conduct and was compelled to put in five days of community service, undergo anger management evaluation, and pay restitution 
for damages he inflicted. So it's slap on the wrist, in my opinion, for kind of ruining an event, causing this ruckus for what? Someone got slapped in the back of the head and talking shit back and forth, one of his teammates, whatever. It was a big show. It was a big friggin' show. show. Well, so that was that, that was the build up there. And apparently the reason why Khabib jumped the fence and attacked or attempted to attack Dylan Dennis is because after Khabib beat Conor McGregor and submitted him, Dylan Dennis was taunting him, saying, like, come and fight me. And he added, you effing Muslim rat. And apparently Khabib heard that. And if you know anything about Dagestan... And how close it is to other other countries is pre- religion's pretty serious over there. I mean, yeah. and I I am I do want to go into that too. What kind of person I think you know he he represents, but I want everybody to understand there's a background to this, and and it's not just it wasn't an impulsive. Well, it was very impulsive, but at the same token, there, there's some history here. There wasn't um a spur to the moment thing. Uh, a lot of buildup. Yeah, and it, it's some some people who. You know, I understand everybody has different opinions, but I do think the people who do not know about mixed martial arts in the UFC and are not comfortable with it, they're they're looking for something like this. Like, this just satisfies their ability to be like, oh, I knew it was terrible. It's a terrible thing. So it was very easy for people, I was listening on Monday, to just say all their opinions about it and without knowing any of this stuff. And there were a couple people I mentioned this stuff to, like, oh, God, I had no idea. I was like, yeah. Do you think he just like mm. flew out of the ring because he was a thug and he just wanted to like start beating on the crowd? Yeah, beating on the crowd. Who do you think he is? If you look at the history of his fights, win or lose, he, well, he's won the last twenty six fights. He always hugs the person. He's very respectful. He's respectful in interviews. He's a very serious man. He's he's a very uh, he represents his culture in a sense where he is disciplined, he has habits about his training, about how he speaks to people, he doesn't do shit talking, he talks in conferences, basically how he's going to perform and how he feels, he's not trying to make shit up and put on a show, he's there to do what he loves to do, which is compete, and and in this case, MMA, and fight. He wants to smash people's face. Yeah. But and that's he's, good he's at a pro. Exactly, he's <laughs> a pro. Now, I'll play devil's advocate here, because prior to, I guess, uh, last year and a half, I I was indifferent to UFC or MMA in general. Um, you know, I could watch it. I can't. I don't have to watch it. I don't really kind of. I don't follow. I didn't follow. Um, and again, coming from both sides of the fence here, I could understand people's. It, it's not for everybody. Bottom line, it, it's it's as graphic as it can get, and it's real. It's not a movie. So, you know, you do see some pretty brutal stuff going down in terms of people's face getting cut and people getting choked and possibly knocked out. Um, that being said, since my short, you know, year and a half of training jujitsu, mm. I, I could understand, first of all, the amount of work that goes into a fight in general, um, the training that's involved. I could, I witness it when I'm at Henzo's where you see a lot of these pro fighters they're just there all day. Yeah. Um, also, just the technical aspect, the the positions, the control, the space, um, the timing of, of certain movements. You know, it's very interesting for someone that knows what's going on. But I could understand somebody in the general public being a little frightened. To be honest with you, frightened. 
because most people outside of a movie have never seen that kind of an altercation. And this is, you know, this isn't just a two-minute thing. I mean, it could go on for 15 minutes, as we saw. Oh, the fight. <laughs> the fight well, in general, you know, yeah, like yeah. a UFC kind of a fight. Yep. So anyway, so for, again, for the people that are making certain assumptions, you know, that there's a, there's a lot of backstory behind it. And I also go on to think, as my brother was mentioning on Saturday, that mm. how much, how much of this Connor taking a plane coming over, how much of this is staged, yeah. and how much now the, the people that are involved are very serious people. This mm-hmm. Khabib guy is not a Hollywood character. Neither no. is McGregor has traits of one mm-hmm. in Hollywood, but the truth is he's a professional fighter. Yeah. Um, so again, the question is, you know, how much of this is a buildup, so that we're talking about it five days later, um, and the media, TMs. I mean, everybody. I mean, this is this is big, bigger news than ever. Now, unfortunately, it's not the kind of news that I think the sport needs, right? Right. That being said, as Lee is going to elaborate on, <laughs> in all professional, all professional sports, we all know there's been basketball brawls, there've been football brawls, you know. I think Tiger Woods took his no no I'm just oh, playing. I was, like, <laughs> I was like I didn't I gotta look this shit up. What is that? <laughs> the PGA got wild. Tiger Woods is beating people with a no no no. God, I don't know about golf, but baseball, <laughs> football. That was good. I had Lee hook line and sinker. Oh shit. Um, no, but I you know any professional sport that there, there are altercations both on the field and then unfortunately in the stands. Yeah. I mean Yankee Stadium. City Yankees, Field. Red Sox. Oh my God! Oh, it's stupid, you know, stupid stuff. So I guess um, again, Lee's point, as well as my own, is you know, yes, there was an altercation. It was ugly, but uh, it happens. Yeah, and to elaborate on the the other sports, I mean, think about that for a second. Nineteen ninety three is when the UFC started. UFC won. Hmm. How many brawls have happened? Wow, I didn't even think of that. Zero until now. This is the first one that is huge. That thing that you sent me from Henzo Gracie, right. that wasn't UFC. That was some other organization. And, and if you, <laughs> the video is so crazy to watch. There was people, they didn't have a door for the cage. So there were people like just creating the door. Oh. And it was, it was just a mess. But, um, no, there, there hasn't been brawls like this. I mean, this is what I, I'm so baffled about when people just jump on it like crazy. There's brawls happening every season, multiple times a season for baseball. Why? Because a pitcher got too close to threw a pitch too close to the guy's wrist. Oh, let me throw a bat at him and charge the fucking round. I, I get it. I get it. NHL. Freaking that used to be part of the game. They used to have NHL. an enforcer. Right. They used to have an enforcer on the team all the time. Start fights to to reduce that tension and kind of intimidate. So this is, goes back to even when we talked about like sports and athleticism and stuff like that. The metaphor of fighting exists in every sport, but actual fighting sports understand that comparison to like this in time violence, it's the least out of all the sports. I didn't even realize that, but every every sport you we were speaking of that has a, a competitive slash position, execution, technique, balance. I mean, look, of, you know, but nothing does. Ex- Nothing remotely close comes to uh, <laughs> UFC, uh, you know, just f- professional fighting. Right. But you're right. There's a level of aggression in all of those that's kind of controlled with the helmet. 
with a bowl and a bat. Yeah. Um, and and the, everyone talks about like you know the the announcers for other sports will use like fighting words like a crushed or you know they got slammed and they're just beating them and like well, okay they're swinging a bat. All right. Right, right, right. Like, <laughs> it's it's all right. I mean I understand. I respect all sports. That's fine. I'm just trying to give people perspective on like these are true fighters. They're they're true fighters and and I asked an individual um who didn't know the stories. I was like what if someone insulted your father? What if some, someone insulted your religion? What if someone threatened to even threaten your life? What if and they did that repeatedly over and over again, you would not feel good about it. And I understand he lost control when he jumped over yeah, yeah, the yeah. fence. I get it. But Everyone has a breaking point. You do have to understand the kind of person he he presents himself to be. He's a serious man with serious habits, with certain disciplines. It's not going to be like Conor McGregor who can talk shit to a guy and then shake his hand at the end and then talk shit again to another guy and do the same exact thing. That's a show. This guy is like, I'm going to win because I'm a better fighter. And he won. And they're still like, no, you suck. Uh, well, no, motherfucker. Yeah. I just won. All right, right. <laughs> No, so, I, I, look, impulse control, Khabib definitely, he lost it. You know, the, he. this could have probably not been mentioned, but but at the same time, you know, the, there's certain, we're dealing with a whole different uh, wiring, <laughs> culturally. Exactly. Like, like Lee's saying, yeah. culturally, you know, this, this guy comes from a different land. <laughs> I, mean, I was trying to explain it to somebody, too. He Apparently, he lives with his parents. He lives in his parents' house. He's he's married with kids, and I mean, that that kind of family man, that kind of community man, things are said seriously. You know what I mean? Like people are sincere. People don't bullshit. I mean, I think this whole idea of shit talking is very American. Yeah. And and it can when it tries to cross cross over to other cultures. I'm not saying that no other cultures do it, but I'm saying Americans have a particular talent for bullshitting and for <laughs> shit-talking. Right. Um, well, and, and again, because there's rarely repercussions, right? Right. But this is a perfect example of um, shit, it, it could get wild, it you know? It could get wild, for sure. And, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's interesting, you know, watching fighting, professional fighting, it, again, interesting now, but the, the idea of fighting, um, you know, in the street, it's not, it's really not a game and, Often, you know, someone may win the fight, but um, they may lose the war. And, you know, mm. th things escalate quite easily. Growing up, yeah. Well, that's an interesting I, thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, think about that. Like, that's probably what this guy could be. He was brought up on, right? right. Like, basically, if you're going to say these things about my family, if you're going to say these things about my religion. Let's go. I, right. That, that's <laughs> it. You're, these are fighting words. These yeah. are fighting subjects. And. Like I experienced this, it was funny because I had you reacted the same way as some of my co colleagues did in the moment where I was getting some comments on Instagram, and it it started out well. It actually, it didn't even start out cordial. This guy ended up like immediately just questioning things, and I was trying to be as polite as possible. Mm -hmm. So I was just going back and forth, and all of a sudden. He had these fighting words, in my opinion, like calling me a fraud and indicating that I don't know anything. So it, did, it was very unwarranted. And, right. and my initial instinct... This was over this? No, no, no. Oh, this was an Instagram post. Like right, really right, right, stupid right. shit. Like I was, I was reposting somebody else's clinical stuff. Right. And this guy all of a sudden started talking like this. And I'm like, dude, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, why, why are you coming at me here? Yeah. yeah. And, that's, and, and I, you know, I took a couple deep breaths and I wrote 
you know, something to kind of gear him. I was like, this information is not to have a discussion in the comment section of an Instagram post, but why don't you go do the research on your own and figure it out for yourself? And I found out later he was a friggin' student, a PT student. I was like, wow, he's talking really like absolute and like knows everything. Oh, aggressive. And yeah. Aggressive. So like right there, like, you know, I, I as as an individual who is trying to surround myself, like when we're at Henzo's, we're with those people who are sincere. Yes. We're with those people who are living that life where, you know, you say something, you mean it, and you do something to to do it. You don't say like, oh, I'm gonna be the champion of the world, and I'm gonna tap you. I'm gonna tap you. Yeah, like people you, wouldn't even they would never say that. Right. You better back up your words. And so, like, if I'm in that environment, and then someone writes that stuff to me, like, you better back that shit up because. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, I think in current state of events, um, you know, I think a lot of times words don't seem to have repercussions, right? And, and, you know, with um, the distance of social media, it's really easy to have this calling someone a fraud, right? I mean, but the truth is when you're looking at someone's eyes and you're calling them a fraud and maybe even your voice changes and you seem aggressive, Things things could really escalate. So yeah. everyone's really big behind the typewriter. Yes, behind yes, the phone. behind the phone, behind the computer. But you know these guys that we're talking about—they're the fucking real deal. So they, right. the, they, they, you know, even though something might have been said six months ago, maybe someone's bus got broken. That those things don't go away. No, they're they're remembering them and they're training and things like that. Oh uh, man, so yeah, I I do think that. Have some perspective. I understand if you don't know about the sport and you read this article and it's like, oh god, this is terrible for you know. There shouldn't be the UFC. This is exactly what we were fearing. That's why New York was like the last state to accept it as like a competition. And whatever, look at look at the brawls in the uh, Yankee Stadium. Yeah, looking looking in the stadium with the fans. Look how contentious people get. Uh, Oh my god! I mean, this is terrible stories. You know, Massachusetts is known for hockey. And uh, I don't even know. Yeah, I'll bring it up. But in high school hockey, very competitive uh, because, like, the parents get involved and they're, like... Oh, I can see the parents fighting. I can see that yeah. easily. There was there was this one well-known thing that happened. If you look, I, I don't know if I'll be able to find it for the show notes, but I'll try. Um, it was really sad. Um, Reading, Massachusetts, two parents um, got into a fight. And one of them killed the other one oh. right in the moment. And, um, you know, it, the the fight was so bad when people said it. Like, the the size difference between the guys was really dramatic. And this, I think this happened when I was in high school or maybe a little after. I was, it was in the 90s or the early 2000s. And um, it was really bad. I, that, that, in my opinion, is, is like a really sad state of affairs. And, of course... You know, we're we're not c- comparing the two to say like one's better than the other, but you know, it, it happens everywhere. That's what that's that's what I want to say. Like this this idea of the competitive nature kind of is expressed through the, the human nature with sports and with martial arts in particular. It seems a little bit more uh, diffused than average when compared to other sports. Well, I think everybody understands what's at stake. <clears throat> I mean, I've had this. Um conversation with Lee when we go to some of these grappling events and you know within the the room you have all these competitive athletes um not competitive fighters yeah you know black belts grapplers martial fighters and 
it's quite content. You know, it's quite ca- calm. Mm. And everybody has this level of distance, and <laughs> but there's a level of respect is what I'm trying to get at. Um, a little different than some other places that I've put myself into. So yeah, I, I went to a um, uh, I went to Yankee Stadium and they were playing the Red Sox, and I was with a group of people who were Yankees fans, so they were in the Yankees apparel, and I wore my Red Sox hat. That was it. Oh man! And uh, I, of bad course, news. I, I knew it was bad. I mean, w- the only thing that happened. Because we were sitting apparently more in the Yankees section. I don't know why. Um, we left early. The, the Sox were getting their asses kicked. And this was a long time ago, several years ago. And going up those stairs, I was the last one in the group. And people started throwing things at me, saying, yeah, it was just this massive, like, oh, you thing. fucking leaving early? You stupid <laughs> shit. I was like, oh my God. I was like, Welcome I to the Bronx, man. That's, yeah. that's nuts. I, I don't, I, I, I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it in giant uh, football. Football too, football, yeah. Football, I remember being behind somebody that had a, an opponent's jersey on. And the same situation happened, throwing ice at him. Mm-hmm. I mean, unnecessary, stupid stuff, but you don't hear about it. Because it's normal. Because it's normal. That's Actually, old normal I, shit. I did know um, an attorney for a professional Major League Baseball team, and they settle so many times and one of the biggest settlements they do i mean people slip fall people get hit with balls but a lot of the settlements are from fights yeah so someone gets you know hurt after a fight and they sue the stadium or the team this is the spectators this is the spectators okay spectators suing you know because you know they got hit by somebody whatever it is but point i'm trying to make is um security Excuse me. Uh, settle fights, settlements are quite common in professional sports, right? Um, no, I, I could see that. So yeah, I mean, if you don't like MMA, if, if it's not what you you're into, that's fine. But you know, let, let's try to be you know apples and apples, oranges with oranges. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, melee breaks out when there's a big group of people drinking mm-hmm. in Vegas, and they traveled a long pl- long place. Uh, excuse me. They've traveled from far away to see this fight. Yep. And I'll probably be very upset to see Mr. McGregor. Did, were they a lot of Russians there as well? Was it a whole... There was probably yeah. contingents, man. Oh. The, I mean, he, he apparently went home. He went to, back to Russia the morning after and was welcomed like a hero, of course. Um, but I think he went with a big group. I mean, definitely a lot of Irish people. I mean, people were talking a lot of stuff in the locker room today. But... Um, <laughs> I can was, imagine. I don't want to say too much of it because yeah, it's yeah. like whatever. But yeah. that, those two groups of people would be, it'd be very dangerous if this thing kept going on over and over again. Right. And um, the it was, it was just hard for me on Monday because there were some people who are very ignorant of MMA, some PTs, and they were just saying all sorts of stuff. And I'm just like, what, what, you don't even know what you're saying. Just uh, stop stay, talking. Stay in your domain. Yeah. So uh, the one patient was like, "Do you think there'll be a rematch?" And this other guy in the back is like, "Of course, yeah. There's gonna be a rematch. There's gonna be a rematch." <laughs> Like, dude, you have no friggin' idea. You you don't know what you're talking about. There's, you have no idea about martial arts. You don't know, know about sports just Wonder because you want to show off. That's a good question, though. Do you? So Rogan talked about it recently on his uh, podcast with uh, McGregor's boxing coach and McGregor's um, cut coach, the the guy who helped him cut weight. Hmm. And they don't know. They don't. Oh, they shackle. Maybe they should shackle both teams. 
Well, they just cuffed them and put them in, <laughs> and they could coach be like, "We're gonna keep you in shackles. You guys are too fucking." Dead. Or they're gonna have a, a whole team around them to try to. They can't control these guys. No, I mean they're they're doing an investigation. So the the Nevada commission, the athletic commission, commission right. yeah, they've confiscated all the tapes of the stadium, mm. um, of the arena, whatever you want to call it, and they're investigating. And so what they've done, this is all information from Joe Rogan. Um, they've given. Connor's purse to him, and they've withheld Khabib's purse. Uh, so all in, the fines until the investigation is over. And so, but what they're finding, what's being leaked, is that it wasn't just purely Khabib who continued the riot, but like obviously he started. Um, but it's uh, he hopped I, a fence. That, yeah, that's what it comes. I mean, the of hopping course. of the fence was like, <gasps> whoa. Yeah, and, and if you listen to the Connor's boxing coach, he was like, and he's this Irish guy. I'll try to do next. It wasn't even a big deal, you know. He's like, I'm more disappointed we lost, and it was, it was devastating that we lost. I wonder how, where the hell are these guys now? I mean, Khabib is chilling out. Yeah, he's in Russia now, just chilling, drinking some just, champagne, just feeding his bears. <laughs> feeding his bears. Feeding his bears. I saw a recent oh, video shit. of him with another bear. No, when yeah, he was older, well, just, uh, older uh -huh. but it was like a little. I was gonna say a puppy bear. <laughs> puppy it was bear. a cub of some sort. And uh, probably his size, and he was just playing with a bear. It's crazy, dude. That's why he dominates, and he just holds people down. It was oh, crazy the pressure! To watch. Watching, watching from um, again from my limited scope, um, what I noticed is this unrelenting pressure, mm -hmm. and getting I guess McGregor to uh, to the ground, yeah, and, and keeping him there, keeping him there, which was. I got to give it to McGregor. He was, I mean, he was uncomfortable, but he was managing. He was, and they asked the boxing coach about that. Um, they were like, "What was your, what was your plan going in?" He was like, "He's like, we knew that he was going to take him down." Right. So we're like, he didn't. They didn't work on his jujitsu skills and per se to like submit him. They're like, you're just going to defend yourself and be get on your back and escape when you can and get back up. Right. And he's like, that way you don't drain yourself. You don't have any excessive excuse me energy expenditure um and then when you get up again you try to try to strike with them didn't work out didn't work did not work out he had a very particular way about keeping people on the ground so once he gets down he just drives his head like you said just pressures him and then somehow takes the legs both of them at the same time by the way not just one and then he makes them as straight as he can and he keeps them straight. So they're freaking like in this long sitting position. Yeah. And they look like, you know, they're paralyzed from the waist down. And <laughs> Which they are. Yeah, pretty much. And, and then he, they can't do anything. And he just he does what he wants to them at that point. He'll start to tag them with little little punches or set up submissions or transition to another position. But the head in. Yeah. Like a shark. Yeah, he just fucking drives his head in there. drives. It's, um, it's exhausting. I would never want to be in that position. No. That's for sure. So it's nice to watch from the couch, uh, <laughs> but but amazing, you know, from you know, I guess from a um, from a physical therapy slash strength and conditioning perspective, you know, these athletes they endure some wild stuff. Not just the, the fight itself is is probably the least of it. I would say uh, I think the training itself it's is crazy is unrelenting. I mean, to keep up with that. Yeah, there's some blood. Obviously, it's a different level at the competition, but th these guys train hard. Um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Just watching, you know, it's inspiring to see in Henzo's um, day in, day out, you know, you see these people driving. Um, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I mean, their fight camps are usually, um, I don't think they, they would last too long. So they, they try to, like, peak the fight camp. So it can be, like, six weeks all the way up to ten weeks, sometimes eight weeks, whatever it is. And th- during that time, it's very intense where they're doing, you know, triple sessions a day, maybe have a day off during the week. And they're working on their jujitsu. They're working on their kickboxing, boxing, stuff like that. Takedowns, wrestling. And I mean, these guys. If you watch even the the jujitsu fighters that are in our school, they're basically getting their PhD in the amount of work they're putting in. They're doing the same amount of work a PhD candidate would do to get their PhD. Meaning they're studying shit, they're practicing shit, and they're doing like eight hours here. You know, 10 hours there, they're teaching, you know, they got to make money to, you know, pay the rent. So it it's not an easy life. And I think that there's also misconceptions about that. That's that's why, I, uh, you know, if you're going to have opinions about it and comments about it, definitely try it. Try You don't have yeah. to go try an MMA class, but go try some jujitsu to just get a sense of what it's like and maybe get a challenge of it and maybe have some appreciation for what it, what's actually happening in, in the octagon. Yeah, it's not, you know, there's not, although well, we did witness some brute force over the weekend, um, it, it's not this just um, wild gladiator, caveman, you know, pounding on the chest, I'm going to rip your head off, although some of that does exist. Except gonna, Derek Lewis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does, it does exist. He's awesome. But, um, there's a lot of work that goes in. And again, you know, to discredit um, these these guys, I mean, what we saw on the weekend was the one of the 1%, right? Mm. Um, but these guys definitely are under, I would say, underpaid for the amount of work they do. Um, you know, the guys that we were, were speaking about definitely had large um, purses on this. But again, you know, they busted they busted their ass to get there. It didn't it wasn't given to them, that's no. for sure. They they worked every second of that. Um but yeah, for people to make comments, you know, just take a class and as some of our instructors have told us, you'll feel the reality of the situation very quickly. Yeah, we we would just to go on a little bit of a technical tangent. Mm-hmm. We were working on a headlock escape with uh Professor Zed and mm-hmm. um you know, you get your arm in and the person has you like on a side control and they're controlling you and, mm-hmm. you, you're, you know, he teaches you the move, how to get out. And then he was like, okay, guys, so I taught you the way to get out. Let's see the reality of the situation because it sucks. So partners, don't let them out. Oh, shit. You know, don't Who let is your them partner? Out. Oh, God. I had this 210-pound <sighs> young guy, about Damn. 30 years old. Nice guy, mm-hmm. cool. We we have a nice little chatty relationship, but yeah, I just hung out on my neck. I did not escape, although I set it up quite well with the hook. You know, I did a flip and I had a hook on him. Nice. But when someone's squeezing your neck, especially someone that's forty pounds heavier, sucks. Yeah, it really sucks. And um, again, just going to the criticisms of watching and thinking, I don't think people watch and say, "Oh, that's easy." I think sometimes people are probably intimidated by that whole situation, but it, it's a very, very tough lifestyle. And um, I mean, hats go off to those who choose that as a profession. Um, but, you know, hopefully they, they get paid all the money they're generating. 
Because these yeah. these guys, I mean, even this weekend, you know, uh, by the way, uh, you don't have to do that. I'm thinking of that. I'm thinking but, of the pay-per-view. Um, oh, uh, yeah. No, no, but the pay, look, we all, you know, people pay to see this. And um, hopefully these guys that are busting their ass in the gym are, are seeing the money is the point of my long story here. Yeah, and I, I mean, I have an opinion that the the reason why they're not as, they're not paid as much as let's say you know another NFL sport, NBA right or even boxing. I mean, right. boxing is so much money, and but apparently there's other things that drive boxing. But there's also there's a longer history of boxing. There's a longer history of these other sports. There's more investments from people who understand the spectator value of it. Where there is spectator value of mixed martial arts, if people learn about it, like you know, we play this baseball when you're a kid. That's true. That's hockey, true. Whatever it is, you know the rules. You you kind of know you know the rules, and yeah. we've been we've been swarmed with the amount of advertising from these agents. You know, from whether it's NBA, yeah, and and they're, and they're struggling. By the way, well, you know, all the major, all the things that we grew up on. Not that they're strong. I mean, they're making millions <laughs> of dollars, but in terms of viewership for, let's say, NBA, and I may be talking out of my ass here, um, maybe it's just my uh, discontent with things, but mm. I, I don't know how big of a market. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how their viewership is up, down, left, right. I'm not it's, sure. It's different now because everyone's cutting their cable. Right. So the money's coming from different places, and I think that's what they're confused on and how to partner with these streaming things and i had a had a patient who worked in uh they worked at espn and they were directly in charge of this so they were trying to to compete with things like netflix or whatever it is create their own streaming services that way you pay directly for it and that somehow builds a better spectator value for instead of these channels that used to or sorry these packages that cable companies would have just like a sports package. Right. And that's somehow connected into how the association would get paid. Got it. Got um, it. Advertisers and yes. stuff like that would invest The in. whole game has changed, though, because in, in the past, let's say, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, we had ex-network ex television shows. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just going to throw one out there. Let's say ABC has the rights to this NBA game. Yep. And, you know, that's it. The advertisers pay NBC. NBC, I, whatever it is, investors. They have investors yeah, they're, here. And they're there. little investors here and there. But again, it, it was very easy to see where the where the show was. It was going to be on TV. It was going to be Sunday at eight o'clock. Right now, with the internet and streaming, and and there's a lot of competition from different recreational things. You yeah. know, people are watching Netflix specials, which I have to start a new one. I don't know what I'm going to watch, but. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Some you know people people are doing different things. You we we the choice has now exploded. Have you seen Mindhunter? No. You guys gotta watch that. Mindhunter. All right. What about the Americans? The Americans supposed to be good. I haven't seen it. It's supposed what, to be really good. Jack Ryan or something Ryan. I don't know about that. That was Krasinski. Krasinski? Maybe. Yeah. I did, I mean I like John Krasinski. He actually he's from Newton, Massachusetts. That's crazy. I was in uh I was in seventh grade and he was at, going to the same school. He was in eighth grade. So I remember going to school with him. That's crazy, and he's uh, he's doing big things. Oh yeah, I mean, Office, of course, is big. But uh, what my whole point was is he he seems to fit that role, like the Office. I don't know how he's gonna do his like action, saving uh, the world. Yeah, I mean, he might be good. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But no, but this this game, I mean, look, as Lee just mentioned, UFC 1993 doesn't have a history. Right. No history. Doesn't have. Doesn't have. You know, we just 1993 or probably 94. We all realized that. 
a lot of martial arts are ineffective in reality, which is amazing. Yes, that's I, another I, big thing that UFC we could we could start to discuss. Yeah. UFC and MMA kind of highlighted the efficiency of certain arts and the inefficiency of others. And now I was discussing this with you on Saturday. Like when mm. someone goes into what is MMA by by definition, obviously mixed martial arts. But there's there's probably three, if not four, major arts that are studied. In and MMA. I'll, and I'll let Lee take that over because I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. So, like, if, if someone were to take an MMA class, you're going to learn Muay Thai because that's, like, the, quote, most effective striking martial art. And then you're going to learn wrestling because that's the most effective uh, takedown art. You're going to learn boxing, um, which it's – well, actually, that depends because with Muay Thai – you learn the boxing style that involves the defense against kicks. And what mm. that is, when, with Western boxing, you can have your hands a little bit farther away mm. and not as high. With Muay Thai, you have to have your hands higher because you have to watch out for those kicks. So it's mm. interesting. So it, it depends on the coach. But I'll definitely say Muay Thai because you have to learn how to kick and elbow and knee. Uh, wrestling, definitely jujitsu, 100%. Ground fighting, and then um, I guess that that would be the three main, and I guess that boxing. If you had a separate boxing thing, that'd be a little different. So then you sprinkle in people's backgrounds, and you have like you know, um, uh, one uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He's the big, big, biggest example of traditional karate being successful mm. in the UFC. His stance is very strange for for a uh, you know a striker. Um, he, he's not strange for me because I, I grew up with karate and taekwondo. He looks exactly like karate, and he's successful. He definitely has not a fantastic record, but he's he's fun to watch. He's expanded his skills, and um, he kind of represents. If you have a base in karate, then you kind of sprinkle in on top of that jujitsu, um, muay thai, and wrestling things like that. Yeah, I think 1993. So we'll we'll look what 10 20. 26? 26. <clears throat> 26 years in. I mean, it's young. It's young. I don't know. I think it's going to probably get turn into something like the Romans, I think. Yeah, and I, I did want to talk about the fact that since it's that young and these things are only being exposed and people are still talking like that idiot was talking about in the clinic, then they still don't <laughs> understand. Yeah, it really bothers me. Oh, I, I, I got, can't no, even no, begin. No, I saw it. I saw it yesterday. I can't imagine because you got to sit there and you got to listen to this person. You're like, and he's an expert in everything. Like he's right. he's an expert in tennis. He's got a big old gut, and it's like you're not an expert in anything. You're just right. you're, you're an expert in bullshitting. That's right. what you are. Um, but anyway, so the lack of information, the lack of experience, the lack of knowledge of this stuff. Growing up doing martial arts. People who find out who you do martial arts, they say really ignorant things, and and I got used to that over time. And what I what I realized for myself was it's a very romanticized thing where they have this kind of strange opinion of martial arts, where like you're gonna fly through the air or you're gonna do some sort of like magical thing to you know break someone's pinky nail or something like that. Where in reality, it's just you know a lot of discipline, a lot of focus on uh, movement skill, um, a lot of physical motor memorization, things like that. And then... Uh, just, oh, it's just tough stuff, guys. Yeah. So don't, you know, it's it's very yeah. tough. It is. And, and I think the fact that you're still seeing, you know, Joe Rogan posts about this all the time, these uh, McDojo life 
um, post. Basically, the, these martial arts are still around that, that talk about being able to subdue people without touching them. Just like uh, like a fireball come out, like an energy field yeah, kind yeah. of thing, and it it's crazy that that's still around after the the uh, popularity of jujitsu, because what what the first couple UFCs showed us and the Gracies out in Torrance, California, what they did in their gym, and they invited all those master instructors from really big martial martial arts surrounding the area. They challenged them to this one on one match, no holes bars, you know, no gloves, no nothing. And if you watch those videos, definitely look them up, man. Like it will, it'll Gracie, make Gracie challenge. I'm sorry, Gracie <laughs> challenge. Yeah, that will make your day. And what they did is they completely broke down, dismantled anything that you know equated their hard work to a striking martial arts, a traditional karate, traditional taekwondo, and it was completely ineffective because everything was taken away from them. Their legs were taken away from them. Their uh, their posture was taken away from them. Their back was taken, and they were strangled. There was nothing they could do. And the fact that they tapped in the street, they would have been dead. Yeah, tap, you can't tap in the street. But, um, yeah, that's <laughs> – you really can't. Solid point, man. Solid. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have that option. I mean, you could run. That that's the equivalent of a tap, I guess. You'd be like, yeah. get your. Ass. I mean, if you could, because if you get someone's someone snaking you along, you're not going to be able saying. to tap. Oh, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you could. You could. Oh, I don't want to say that. Um, but I guess yeah, yeah. My, my point <laughs> in all that long winded thing was until people uh, truly understand what it takes for, let's say, one of these fighters to go through the camp. The hard work that they do and the knowledge that they have, I think they'll be more respected in the sense that people will want to see it and be like, wow, that's really cool. I see that position that they're doing there. But, you know, there's people trying to spread the knowledge like Eddie Bravo, definitely Kasai grappling. They're trying to make it more fun, make it more people involved. But people do need to get more involved personally. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's um, I saw a cool video, <clears throat> United Emirates. Um I guess that's what the AD, what, what are you, ADCC, yeah, ADCC the, is, Dhabi. yeah, they, the competition is, but the Prince of the United Emirates um, took a liking because he saw such a change, I guess, within himself, or I think it's his son, and, um, <laughs> oh, wow, antibody dependence, sorry, oh, that's I mean, a crazy, that's a crazy one, but anyway, this country that has um, a lot of funds, the prince saw this change in his son and and said, you know, we should make this um, a national sport and included in his, in the curriculum, like basically physical education includes jujitsu training, which I think is an amazing idea. Um, one, because it gives people, kids a physical outlet. I mean, I don't want to sit here and talk about the benefits of jujitsu there. The, you could Google benefits of jujitsu. Yeah. Um, so body awareness, confidence, mobility, strength, stability, emotional reg regulation, breath control, J just to say a few. But I agree with Lee in the sense that, you know, I think we all should have a kind of re prerequisite as a citizen in the United States, have some kind of self-defense and martial arts training. I think people will think twice um, to have any kind of altercation. You know, I mean... Since exactly. starting jujitsu, you know, you, you walk around, you have, we all have an idea of what, how things, some, how things will probably go down if X, Y, and Z happen. And the reality of it, 
is probably very different. Right. Um, it's not glamorous. It's not, and again, I, I'm not condoning it. I, I, if anything, I'm, I'm recommending that fighting's horrible. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's. It never could. It won't. Not going to solve anything, and it's not. Um, it's not a good thing. No, and, and Bruce Lee once was famously quoted, "You can't change people with their fists." With your no, fists. No, no. Um, and what he said after that was he talked about, you know, the self-involvement of education and learning about yourself. And I think that's huge. It's just a different, whole different dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, again, it's 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 a science and it's an art, right? There's certain prerequisites and, and certain concepts. And then the art comes into fitting that in with your body type, with your strengths, with your weaknesses, with your comforts with your discomforts mm-hmm. um but again i i just the journey of um martial arts slash self-development um i think everybody should have that experience i think you know we'd probably have a a different world <laughs> we would have people have been quoted about that uh there was an there's an, a muay thai instructor at henzo's who was interviewed once and he said that he's like everyone did martial arts the world would be a different place and, and it would and people have this Weird preconception, just because I think it's a lack of understanding that they think more violent people do martial arts to learn to be violent. And I'm just like, if you've been involved in martial arts at all, you'll learn that that is completely false. I know more violent people who have no combat training. Correct. Exactly. I could, I could personally attest to that. Um, (laughs) I've met, you know, I've I've come across some interesting individuals over the course of my 40 years on this planet Mm. and yeah they the most violent people don't have much training and and don't let that kid you because they are professional violent people right you know they're they're professionals at being violent they may not you know do a technical double under Mm -hmm. but they will take you down and if they can't beat you well Mm. something else can um so it's um i think it's training breeds humility i believe self-discipline and, and just respect for one another when you're um, you know with, with this training that i've undertaken in the last year and a half you know it's not every day that you know you shake the hands and thank the person after you know they were trying to choke you mm-hmm. um and it's such a it's such a bond that's created with the people on the mat total strangers half of these people i i forget their names i don't know what they do neither do they know what i do but there's this common, uh, this this common graciousness. I would say I don't I don't I can't put it into words. And I remember Lee trying to explain this to me when I didn't take jujitsu, and he was trying to explain things. He's like, "You got to take a class." <laughs> <laughs> and it's the truth. You talk to anybody, you know, some of the other people that we both know, um, person you treated, I treated. Mm. You know, I remember him saying, "You know, I was trying to pick his brain about what to do, how to do, what should I start, should I work out." And he just looked at me, that face was like, "Try class." Yeah, just, just. You know. It's 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 so unique, and I I I guess it. <laughs> I I consider myself a serious person, uh, with habits and stuff, but I also try to loosen up too. But like my my try my attempt to pass on this information to people who I think have the potential to like learn something or they're saying something that it indicates to me that they can learn from martial arts and I try to and if they don't listen then I'd be like you know you just take a class and um I think it's it's a life changer and, and Joe Rogan talks about it all the time he's he's a great promoter of jujitsu and martial arts in general um, but working with somebody 
and you're both having this, you both have the same goal and you're both messing up, you're both succeeding, and then you share this experience that is so human, and then you get to shake hands with each other at the end, and then you go in and do it again and, and a different day, as our instructor, a really well known instructor says, you know, it, it tomorrow's another day. You're gonna have either a worse day or a better day. And one one of these times <laughs> you're gonna have a good day. And the exhilaration you get from that good day um is priceless. It's priceless, yeah. And it fills you up, fills you up so much. And you want to talk about something that's so satisfying as you get older. You know, these are the things that keep you healthy because, you know, things that don't keep you healthy are things that you're attempt attempting to fill your void with. Yes. You're attempting to fill the void. Or you were trying to mute the reality of the situation. Mm. Um, and, unfor- you know, you, you really can't mute. You can't mute your bad day no. when um, someone's imposing their force on you. You know, you, you can't even think of what's going on. You, you're, the mm-hmm. only thought is getting this person off you. But um, And I think that's so human, by the way. I think that's what makes it so uh, attractive. Like, you feel more human. You feel like... Uh, you know, I always relate things to movies. There was um, there was an older movie that I loved called True Lies. Arnold Good Schwarzenegger. Stuff. Good stuff. Jamie Lee Curtis. And if you don't know the movie, I'll try to do I'll be very brief. Arnold was a Secret Service agent who worked for the government, but posed at home with his wife, Jamie Lee Curtis, as a, like, a, a computer guy. Never told her what he did. She was a very contained person, you know, buttoned up shirt all the way up to the top of her neck. And she never really experienced anything crazy, but um, they went through a life and death experience because of the spy stuff. And she was literally like, you know, beside herself afterwards. She almost died two or three times. And she was saying how much fun it was for her to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, I want to live and all this other stuff. And and that's what it does to you. It really you're put in a situation where all of a sudden you literally have to fight for your life. Yeah, and you get out of it, and it, and then you realize, like in the comfort of the class, because no one literally is having a knife against you, or right, right. A and gun. then it, yeah, and then that yeah, they're not literally trying to kill you; they're, they're just, just trying to make it. Trying to, to kill you. Yeah, they're pra- exactly, exactly. <laughs> they're practicing trying to kill you, but it it, it definitely is kind of why. I mean, today I was uh, okay again with the uh, up guy, mm-hmm. and he had me in this Darce choke. Ooh, that's tight, Darces. Oh, and then he was like, get out, get out, get out. I want you to roll. And I'm like, what the fuck? What do you mean, roll? So I like try to wiggle out. And then he's like, see, see, now I'm going to close his diaphragm. And oh. then he just pushed me, like sandwiched me. And I'm, and then the whole class is like, oh. You know, and, I, and he was like, you okay? He was like, tap on me. Because I was tapping, I think, the floor. And he, uh. didn't hear, he didn't hear me. So he's like, tap on me, tap on me. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I'll remember uh, the next time. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I saw stars today. But... um. Yes, I, I lost my train of thought here, but the yes, there's a very primal. Nothing really exists except there. So anyway, getting uncomfortable and overcoming that in this controlled environment and comfort zone of the class, you go out into the real world where we're constantly uncomfortable and mm-hmm. we're constantly being challenged with certain challenge, challenges, problems, you know, situations, mm-hmm. but. Once you had that kind of training, you realize, wait a minute, there's got to be a way out. And as the same instructor said, you know, either there's a solution to a problem Mm -hmm. and you focus on that solution or there isn't a solution 
and you got to move on. Right. <laughs> and you got to accept tap. You got to <laughs> and you got to say, "Hey, that's that," you know? Right. And there's not many one thing that definitely life has taught me is there's only like a a handful of things that are great that are really like grave and everything else can be kind of worked around and you know if you, you got two feet two hands you you have water you have shelter food mm-hmm. you know it, it's real simple needs but i guess training with training in martial arts particularly in brazilian jiu-jitsu has definitely opened my eyes to um be getting comfortable with being uncomfortable yes <laughs> enhancing your perspective yeah man it's good stuff this yeah. is totally a tangent for the few good physios. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one that we hold near and dear. Yes. And uh, hopefully we can inspire those to, to try something different. Yeah. You know, I, take I, a class. I think it would, you know, if I were to, to speak to any physical therapist listening or students, I would try this. And the reason why I say that is because most likely you got, if you work in the outpatient orthopedic fields, most likely you're going to see somebody who's gotten injured and, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yes. So I, I think and, they'll enhance. And speaking of those injuries, within the community, I think there's um, – it's a young – relatively a uh, young community – young community, young industry, really. Yeah. One that is blown up. But I think as physical therapists that understand what they're trying to accomplish, there's a, there's a big gap on – helping these athletes out to yeah. optimize their performance and to minimize their their risk. I mean, Lee and I attempt to perform, well, not attempt, to perform a lot of mobility work pre-post-class, and I definitely, I don't want to, I'm superstitious, I'll knock on wood. Mm. Um, thankfully, everything has been on, on in check. I mean, Lee has uh, documented his his <laughs> a couple of injuries, which have been pretty intense. Pretty intense, and this is coming from a person that has done uh, a lot of mobility, strength, and stability work. Mm. But I think, um, as a physical therapist, understand different populations, and and you'll you'll have an appreciation if you took a class for even watch the dynamic nature of grappling. Yeah, you know, and it's it those those experiences with injury, by the way, taught me so much more both about rehab myself, and then my approach to patients who had that injury, especially with that nerve injury, because it was so scary. I thought it was going to be permanent. Oh. Um, and which which you would be told, by the way, I'd say half of the practitioners would tell you, whether it's a neurologist, whether it's a an orthopedic person. Yeah, it was. They might tell you like, oh, it's a nerve. It's you know, not it's done. You need so that's surgery. It. Yeah, we got to decompress that nerve and uh, just work those tricep kickbacks. <laughs> See what happens, man. I don't know. You should definitely quit jujitsu. But yeah, to be fair, these um, the Lee has been playing in the very large ocean with very very strong sharks. Yeah. They, they don't even mean. Well, I don't know. I don't know what they mean, but. They um yeah they inflict a lot of fucking a lot of pressure I can't imagine mm. and I'm uh, I'm enjoying my little baby room on the left today I made a little move I was like oh should I take advance oh I gotta take that call oh you gotta do I, it, man. <laughs> I was like you no gotta do it oh, and I'm still tired I don't know but I won't have that luxury soon um, anyway Lee would you like to add anything to um yeah uh it, it would lead into a tangent that's all right the, we got time. So we're big fans of John Oliver, my girlfriend and I. 
he is friggin' hilarious and he's definitely a stress reliever in this political environment. So last night we watched the Sunday episode and he spoke about, you know, all the stuff that's been going on in the hearings and stuff. But he had a clip and he, he basically was for our entertainment. He didn't have any comments, but he just wanted to show us. His team put together these clips of Sean Hannity. You know who Sean is? Yes, Hannity? I do. Friggin' idiot. Um, apparently he does MMA. Like he's taking MMA classes. I can see that. <laughs> but so what they did, they clipped together each time he mentioned it, and it was literally like, you know, I take MMA classes. It's like, it's like when I take MMA. It's like when I take MMA. It's like when I do MMA. Well, if I'm on the street, I know what I'm going to do because I have MMA classes. And they, they show clips of him, him practicing. He looks fucking awful with his form. He's like swinging at one of those uh, dummies. He's, he's he's got like a haymaker with an arm down. I'm just like, dude, you look like a friggin' idiot. And and he's doing like doing like a double collar tie, necktie, uh, clinch, and he's doing knees to a pad. Whoever that instructor is, is a fool. I'm sorry to say, and I don't know who it is. Uh, and they're probably gonna come find me if they somehow I'm listen a to fool? this. Yeah, I train with Khabib. No, no, yeah, right. <laughs> be my nightmare. The guy's got gigantic cauliflower ears. It's like fuck. <laughs> Um, but it, 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 the reason why he talks about it is he hasn't been humbled. He hasn't been humbled. It's this obvious. It's obvious he hasn't been really training. If he's been training and he's been like choked out, he wouldn't be talking like this. He wouldn't be like, you know, I would just take that guy out on the street. Well, that's blah, blah, blah. Like, well, he's an idiot anyways. I understand that. But like, if you take that personality and you're doing the right training, you're going to get put on the ground and you're going to get either choked or arm barred and you're going to be like, ah, I can't talk like that anymore <laughs> no the humble this is something that i i'm having a problem with recently um dealing with individuals that have never and i i've always talked we, we've discussed this probably it's not more recently it bothers me but it's been bothering me for like i don't know eight or ten years my professional career where there's certain individuals that um never been checked whether that's a physical check an emotional check someone just just to stop their bullshit Mm-hmm. And like, oh, what are you? And you got, hopefully, as a child or as a young adult, it happens to you. Because I think if you're 34, if you're an adult in a professional setting, you know, you, you everybody knows the personality types. It just kind of speaks without being self-aware of others, maybe of others' feelings, of others' intent. And, and that, that kind of drives me nuts. Um, and you won't see that amongst anybody serious about martial arts right you know and and um yeah it's just there's a lot of people that kind of need a little bit of a nudge and i'm not and i'm not promoting <laughs> violence i'm not saying that these people need to be punched or dropped i'm not saying that mm. but just they, they need to be checked and and some life checks us all at some point or another so yeah. hopefully it happens early uh in your life but if it doesn't, you know, it, it could be catastrophic as an adult. Yeah. <laughs> it's a survival thing, meaning that, you know, I was checked pretty early by people. You know, I had two older sisters. My parents were like traditional older parents or traditional parents. So like very checked very early. So I didn't. This this whole thing about like saying things without being self aware like n- was non existent. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and I had martial arts at very young, from six years old on. Um, so I, it, to me, that helped me survive better in certain situations. Right. Whereas people who are not, that that can get them in really big trouble, and sometimes yes. their life can be dependent on it. Yes, yes, yes. They can say something stupid to the wrong person. That person could have a gun. And this this t- this day and age, you know, again, you see people walking around, kind of 
care. I would say carelessly, you know, yeah. stupid things like you know, not holding a door open, not saying thank you, mm-hmm. not letting someone off the train. All simple things. But here in the big city, you're so close. To each the, other. You're so close. <laughs> it, it, it just it, it goes so long when you could smile at a stranger and say thank you. It, it doesn't take much. Right. But I get it. New York's a stressful place, but come on, we gotta all breathe the same air here. You got we gotta share the concrete. Yeah. Smile. Say hello. You know? Henzo talks about this. You ever hear him talk about this? Oh, I heard. I, I heard. It. And you know, I, I I I've been feeling like that for, for ten years. And yeah. that's the affinity towards these these, these individuals. Guys, yeah. yeah, man, because they're the nicest people until they're not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um but 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 again, it's not unwarranted. Oh. Um, this is an interesting episode. I, 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 whoever's gonna hear the, whoever hears this, like, oh god, I want to hear the next episode, and they're like, who the fuck are these guys? Where's where's the DPTs talking about? Again, so talking about research. By the way, research <laughs> UFC is compiling some research on. A high probability takedowns. No, that's no, right. Probably, they probably do. They probably have stats on. Oh, huge stats! If you go to UFC.com, they have all that stuff. So for all you people impressive. that want the research on what we're discussing, go to UFC.com. That's right. And if you guys have research on other sports in comparison to martial arts, that's great. Send it to us. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> or if there's any research on what sport, I probably was hockey where the most fights exist that's a good question i think hockey historically because they literally it was like a rule for every team to have an enforcer the enforcer was that's missing teeth missing missing teeth no helmet (laughs) they were they were literally in charge of just starting a fight with whoever's intimidating the the, their team and so then and they would just be thrown in the penalty box and the other crazy thing is is you know when the fight happens well it's not crazy i think it's smart the refs just go back and they wait there's sticks involved there's Flying blades, shit. there's uh, skates, yeah. you know, because that happened. I mean, oh, yeah. it's it, watching them fight is pretty uh, amazing because they're fighting on ice skates. On ice, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like you know all the rules of planting your foot and rotating. Things get a little, things got to get weird. Yeah, exactly. But there's still nasty stuff occurs there. Yeah. No, I'd be interested. And, oh, someone else mentioned this to me on Monday. Soccer. Soccer. Oh man! Woo! Like in the stands, that's like that's got to be the most violent. Just because spectator. of the numbers, the numbers, and then the intensity. Right. Talk about culture. I mean, that again. So that goes back to how serious people are about that sport. So intense. And again, the the viewership on soccer obviously is number one in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's been all kind of stampedes. It's been horrible. I think there's some horrible incidents. I remember being a kid and, and watching the news on it, but. Yeah, guys, I mean, it's not, you know. Just slow your roll when you look at the the news from UFC 229. It yeah. was it was a bad situation, no doubt, but it is not the freaking worst thing that has happened in right. terms of violence. You know, hopefully no one was seriously injured. You know, that's, you know, hopefully no one, you know, that's all I have to say. Um, but, like, tomorrow's another day, guys. Tomorrow's another day. <laughs> hopefully it's better. Maybe right. it's worse. <laughs> Deal with it. Exactly. I think I'm done with uh, my tangent and rants. Yeah. <laughs> God, we got it off our chest. Lee feels a lot better. Um, he's ready to uh, hear stupidity. Um, That's right. I'm going to get my fill yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be back next week. That's right. Stay tuned. All right. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening to A Few Good Physios. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Follow us each week while we interview guests and have clinical commentary. 